everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good, because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans 8.28 stories from our She Writes For Him boot camp graduates and others the Lord brings my way. So let's get started. Well, this is our Veterans Day episode of the All Things Podcast, and I love how this is another full circle for me because working with veterans is how I got started in publishing 34 years ago. So I promise you this conversation is going to be a real treat for you. My guest today is Redemption Press author Aaron Quinones, and let me just say that this conversation is not only for veterans or those who love them. It's for anyone who is concerned about mental health issues. And especially with the pandemic and all the issues that have been popping up as a result of all this added stress so many are facing. This conversation is a must listen and a must share with everyone you know. So let me introduce today's guest and then I will share our conversation. After volunteering for a combat tour in Iraq in 2003, Aaron Quinones, also known as Sergeant Q, was diagnosed with PTSD and contemplated suicide until Jesus Christ rescued him and gave him a new life and a new purpose. Today, he heads Q Missions, restoring hope and purpose to struggling veterans through missions. Aaron learned self-sufficiency growing up in the mountains of Northern California and later in the U.S. Marine Corps, First Anglico, where he gave eight years of honorable service. After volunteering for that tour and struggling with PTSD, Christ gave him new life, a new view of war, a new way of healing. He writes, in this new war, the battlefield of the mind Hope would become my new ammunition and the mission field would be the centerpiece of my new battlefield. In 2009, Sergeant Q made his first mission trip to Mexico, a transforming experience that led to short missionary trips worldwide for the next seven years. Serving others brought healing to his heart and restored purpose. In 2015, God called him to form Q Missions where other veterans could live out their God-given missions too. Healing Through Service, the Warrior's Guidebook to Overcoming Trauma reveals a step-by-step process of healing and mission leading to a life of gratitude, fulfillment, and purpose. 
filled with personal anecdotes and adventures. The book also features scientific studies and expert discussion. This successful process has won multiple awards from the Washington State Department of Veterans Affairs. In 2017, Sergeant Q was named Seattle's hometown hero. So even though this was automatically aimed at struggling veterans, the book also offers help for anyone in crisis. So we're going to go ahead and run this conversation and you are going to be blessed. So Aaron, it is such a delight to have you on the All Things Podcast today. I have been so looking forward to this time together because you have such an amazing, amazing story and ministry. So first of all, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Oh, thank you. It's, I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, it's always great to chat with you. Yes. Well, um, before we jump into uh, your book, your ministry, your app that is just totally um, just blowing up in so many good ways across the country. I'm so excited. To, just that the little you've already told me about it, I, I am excited for our listeners to hear about it. But before we go there, um, I would love to have you share your Romans 8:28 story. I mean, we all have lots of them that, you know, throughout our life, we can look back and see so many times God has worked things together for good that we could never have seen him do. But I would love for you to just share uh, whichever Romans 8:28 story you think would encourage our listeners today to see how God has done that in your life. Yeah, well, the one that that comes to mind is um, my my journaling and and how that became the book. And so, um, man, I really struggled with mental health when I came back from Iraq and uh, you know homelessness and being unemployed. And um, I would just I would journal about that stuff nonstop. I would I would do Bible study and I would journal about my Bible study. I would journal you know when I would have nightmares that two in the morning and have to get up and my brain feels like it's on fire. I would have to, you know, just kind of write those things out. And sometimes um, it didn't make a lot of sense. Some of the stuff that I was writing, but I just kind of had to get it out. Uh, and I just kept doing that, you know, every single time I would write it down and write it down every time I would have those nightmares or I couldn't sleep or was having insomnia or um, maybe I had a really bad panic attack at work. And so uh, I would just have to write it down and write it down and write it down. So I have stacks and stacks of journals of that time um, when I was really, really struggling with depression and anxiety and suicide. And I would just write all about it. And then when God called me to write this book, um, I, I didn't know where to start. I was like, I, how do I start? Like, what, what do I do? Um, I don't know how to do this. And I just went back to my journals and the book was really already written. I just had to organize it into a way that other people could understand it. And so that's what I did, which I had already really started um, with the nonprofit because I had like a little study guide that I would give to guys when they would come to teach them some of the fundamentals that I learned um, while I was on the mission field, the, the idea of healing through serving other people. And I would just teach that. So what the book did um, was just formalize that process. And so it really just took me out of the equation, which was, was really cool because I don't have to be in front of somebody teaching them now. Now they can have the book 
and they can learn from my life lessons and the pain and struggles that I went through. A lot of people can relate to that. Um, and so I just show them a pathway out. So I use my pain um, as, as part of my ministry. You know, I share that with people, which is scary sometimes, you know, because, um, you know, nobody wants to be judged or, or looked at as being weak. But when you put it out there, it, what it does is it, it empowers other people to feel like they're not alone. Yep. And that's where the true power comes is when people feel like I'm not alone. There's other people who deal with this and they're getting through it so I can get through it too. And so that would have to be, um, yeah, my, my, my story there. Would, would I, be love, there. I love that because what you did was you took, you know, whatever you had those PTSD symptoms that were just um, almost disabling probably you, you journaled about it. You talked to God about it. You processed it. And so even though those were painful moments, God used that to, and turned it into a ministry. I mean, I just love that, that you now can take that, you know, challenge and trauma in your own life and use it to empower others to see who God is and how he can work those things for good. I love it. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, I share that with other people and I tell them like uh, guys that go through my program and I help plug them in and, you know, to their local church or uh, different organizations. And they always ask me, I don't know what God wants me to do. Like, what, what should I do? Um, and I always tell them, well, volunteering kids ministry, <laughs> right? Cause they need tons of help. I said, but what you really have to do is look where your pain is. And there your ministry will be also because who better to lead somebody out of that darkness than somebody who already knows the way. Okay. Say that again. Look where your pain is. Say that again. Look where your pain is and there your ministry will be also. Oh, that is so good. That's true. <laughs> it is. It is right. So who better to lead somebody out of the darkness than somebody who's already walked that path. Right. Yeah. And so and it could be anything, you know, I was working with a guy whose parents didn't um, ever really encourage him when he was a kid, you know, and the things that he wanted to do. And he didn't, he felt like he never measured up and was really just always discouraged about that. Even as an adult, it really bothered him. And I said, well, why don't you start encouraging kids? Like, why don't you start working in that field? So he did, he worked in youth ministry for a while. And then he went on to uh, do some other things, doing some outreach with the local youth here in the community, and, and he's found it, you know, he's like, that's where my joy is, is I get to, I get to encourage these kids in the path that they want to go. Um, because that's something that I never got. And so by him giving that to those kids, he actually receives it back tenfold. And so it's really cool. There is a study. Um, so in the book, we, we, I, I take a, an idea, a concept, and then I talk about the science behind it and then the scriptural application. And so, this idea of healing through service, there's healing from trauma by serving other people, which is, is scientifically based because there's, there's several studies out there. One of them is called the Mother Teresa effect where they took uh, students and they had them watch Mother Teresa just do good works like on VHS, just watched uh, Mother Teresa do good works. And they measured their saliva. They took these saliva tests and measured where their cortisol was and where their... Um, you know, the different chemicals that are pumping through their brain. And uh, what they noticed was that people who watched this, uh, Mother Teresa doing these good works for 90 minutes, they had an increase of their mental health. 
And that, that increase lasted for two to three hours after the event. Hmm. And so it was really cool. And so another study took it one step further where they just took another group of students and they had half of them needed help uh, with homework and the other half gave assistance for the homework. And they did the same thing. They tested with these um, saliva tests to see what chemicals were operating in their brain, uh, what peptides were firing off. And it showed that the, the students who received homework help, they had increased um, mental capabilities. They had increased uh, mood. They had um, you know, uh, increased endorphins firing off in their brain. But the remarkable thing was the students that gave the assistance, they had two to three times more of those chemical benefits in their brain than the students who got the help. So it just, it goes back to the healing through service, which is what God showed me, um, that there was healing through serving other people on the mission field. And it just quantified those results. Like, this is what the scripture shows us. This has been my experience. Oh, and here's the science that backs all of this up. That is so cool because when you think about it, if you're struggling with PTSD or you've got some, some real mental health issues that are, feel like they're kind of just you're just incapable of, of, you know, doing anything. You just feel completely stuck. And then you start to look, get outside of your own issues and look at someone else and see how you can help them. It's like you're putting your attention on someone else and caring for them, even though you still have that stuff there. Mm -hmm. And I would guess to some degree, the act of doing that really does, it changes just your, per, I guess, your perception of those struggles because you're, you're putting that attention on someone else and not so self-centered. It's not self-centered, but you're just, your focus isn't on your pain. It's helping on helping someone else. Yeah, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, there has to be a balance because Sometimes people will just focus on that and they won't deal with their own mental health. Yeah, so good, good. Okay. I have, to, I have to pull people back a little bit and say, hey, yes, we're coming here to help these people uh, in, the, in Africa or Cambodia, but God has something for you as well. So don't miss that. You know, so we go to Mexico and we build a home for a homeless family in two days, right? That's our flagship mission. That's where I take guys. And I tell them the house is going to get built. Don't worry about that, you know? Um, that's the, that's, that's the least important build is the house. The other three things that are being built is you're building a relationship with the missionary, you're building a, re a relationship with the family, and you're building a relationship with God. So don't miss those three other important builds that are happening. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I try and slow people down and have them take those moments of self-reflection or, I mean, I can pick it out now, right? So I have squad leaders that go with me on these trips and they've been multiple times, they've been through the program and they watch for these guys when they start to have that moment, uh, those emotions kind of come out or they're having a moment. A lot of times they'll just stuff it down and be like, nope, I've got to go work on the mission and, and try and just ignore what's happening. But we're really good at noticing when that's happening and going up and having a conversation, pulling them aside say, hey man, can you come help me out with these tools over here? Mm, and then nice. you know, asking the questions like, hey, what just happened over there? Like, let's talk about that. Well, yeah. I got to get back and say, hey, man, house is going to get built. Remember? So let's work on what's, what's coming out right now. What's that, that, um, 
that impurity that's coming out, right? If he, if he just leaves it there, it becomes slag and it, it burdens us, it holds us down. But if we can uh, refine that off of those guys, knock that off by having them talk about it, you know, what was that emotion that just came up? Where did that come from? Why do you feel that way? And we're not solving anything for them. We're just helping them recognize these things that are coming out. Uh, yeah. That's that's all we're doing, and and then you know they'll they'll work that out with God, but we just we just help them recognize it. Yes, and as they become more self aware, and they you help them see when stuff like that comes to the surface, and then they are able to. I mean, not only do they realize I need God to help me here, but it you know it's that process of them being authentic instead of the normal let's just shove all this down so that no one can yep. see that I'm in pain because, you know, real men don't cry, whatever, whatever, all those things, you know, that we've been taught that don't, they're, they're not true, you know, but that's, that's so good. Now I want to, I want to um, kind of do a little transition here uh, because we're airing this on veterans day I really would love to um, just have you share your, uh, the statistics of the suicide statistics among veterans, the challenges that are um, going on there and what you have, what God has given you as a gift to um, veterans, you know, worldwide, but, but share with us the pop smoke, uh, vision that you had, what you've done with that, what God has done. I would just love for our listeners to hear more about the problem and the, the solution God gave you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I spent eight years in the Marine Corps and I, I started off as a communication specialist, so uh, radio operator. So I would uh, man the radios and you know do the communications back and forth. Uh, I did really well at that. And so I got recruited into a, a unit called First Anglico. So it's a special forces group that's in the Marine Corps. It's called the Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company. So we're all communicators and forward observers. And we all become master parachutists as well. So we'll parachute in five or six of us into an, into an area. And we control all the artillery, the mortars, the aircraft uh, that are putting munitions on target. So those aircraft don't just fly over and drop them where they want. There's a guy like me on the ground with the radio telling them, you know, I've been watching that area for two or three days and I tell them where to drop those specifically. So that was my job. And, you know, I, so I controlled aircraft, uh, when guys would get medevaced, you know, somebody would get hit on the battlefield. The other thing that we would do is we would run medevacs to get guys out of there it's called a nine line brief. And so we would, um, bring the choppers in to be able to, to evac our casualties out or drop off supplies. And so that was another part of what we did. Now, in, in the book, uh, everything that I teach, I go back to a military tactic. And so uh, the military is one of the most successful organizations in the world. You know, it's been in business for over, you know, 200 years. And uh, it's very successful at growing leaders and, and, and uh, solving problems. And so I, I looked back to my military training to try and solve this issue of veteran suicide. So right now we're looking at about 22 guys per day uh, commit suicide. Seeing a 20% increase in suicides across all demographics. So not just veterans, but all demographics. Because this lockdown is putting people under a tremendous amount of stress. 
uh, jobs, you know, afraid of the disease, loved ones may have passed away, um, not being able to work, like all of this fear. And then you have this, you know, infighting about you should wear a mask, I'm not wearing a mask, like all of this social media election. I mean, just a ton of stress and pressure on people. So people who were already dealing and struggling with mental health, it just became so much worse for them. And that's where we saw a lot of suicides happen. But the other unique thing is people who've never maybe dealt with mental health before are dealing with it right now because we're going through a global mental health crisis right now. Yes. COVID, the amount of people who, who died from COVID is going to be nothing compared to the people who died because of uh, the mental health strain, whether it's domestic violence, domestic murders, uh, suicides, drug overdoses, like the mental health crisis is far greater than the COVID. It just, it just is. The numbers are there. And so I would encourage people to go look that up. It's, it's crazy to see, um, you know, when you talk to law enforcement, how many more murders they're seeing, how many more domestic abuse, domestic violence, drug overdoses, suicides that they're seeing out there. And the, the, the really hard part is that um, the, the human brain can only withstand about six months worth of stress or trauma before the brain actually rewires itself to the trauma. That's where you get post-traumatic stress becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. So everybody experiences post-traumatic stress. It could be a car accident. It could be witnessing violence. But after a certain amount of time, those symptoms will fade away, some counseling, and you can get through it. Where it becomes a disorder is where your brain has rewired itself. And so I like to share with people because, that it's like... Is that because you're in constant stress and that constant trauma for longer than six months and that's why your brain does that yes and so i i try and share with people it's like um like concrete right so the stress hormones that are getting released into your brain you have these receptors and they send signals back and forth and what happens when those stress hormones they surround those receptors uh and they kind of close them in so they're not they're not firing as efficiently and after about six months that those chemicals become like a concrete around it. Hmm. So like concrete, when it's wet, it's malleable and you can move it around, you can you know, shape it, you can do things with it. Uh, same thing with trauma. If we can get to somebody within six months of them experiencing a trauma, we can help them work through it a lot faster and a lot more effective. But if it's gone longer than six months and they haven't dealt with it, now it hardens. And it's a lot harder. You can still do it, but it's a lot harder to do. It takes a lot more work and a lot more time, kind of like chipping out concrete, right? Once it's dry, it's a lot harder to, to remove it. So it's the same thing with our brain. You can do it. I've done it. Millions of people all over the world have done it. It just takes a lot more effort on our part. And so what we're going to see is the experts, they said that the the, we've already seen a 20% increase. And what they were predicting was an additional 20% increase uh, uh, in the month of October. So we haven't, the numbers haven't come out yet. We're waiting to see how accurate they were with that prediction. But um, I, I don't know if it'll be a full 20%, but I can definitely tell you it's gonna rise tremendously because October, November, the elections, everything that's going on, People just are, they're not dealing well with, um, with the mental health stress. And so I say all of that 
to share with you the app that we created. So those are the results. Those are the statistics that are happening. And so I needed to find a solution. I mean, this was two years ago when I started this process. Right. right. And it was just to help veterans, just the guys in my organization. And so uh, I went back to my military training and I thought, okay, well, how, how do we solve these problems in the military? The first thing was uh, reintroducing the squad. So the Department of the Army, they did a 40-year-long study to determine why the military was so effective on the battlefield. And they narrowed it down to one element, which is the squad. Because we fight in a squad, a small unit, uh, every member of the squad values the squad over themselves, and they will fight harder and longer to stay alive because they don't want to let the squad down. So I reintroduced that idea to people not just to veterans, but to, to everybody, that we need this small group of people that we can depend on. And so social media is terrible for this because if you post something online about, oh, I'm struggling with whatever, um, you have people who care about you who are your friends, but you also have frenemies who are going to uh, tell you, oh, well, that's not that bad or you need to get over it or um, you know, use it against you in some way. Yeah, right? And so it's just, it becomes a bullying tactic. So social media is actually terrible because you have a lot of people who will attack you over it. So having this small group of people that you know and trust that believe in you and want you to do better, that's, that's really important. So I help people identify, you know, two or three people in their life that they know and trust um, and, and, and have a vested interest in keeping them alive. So that's the number one thing is creating this small group of people uh, the second thing is we needed a way to communicate with, with this individual. So I had put my guys back into squads and it was working well, but when they would be struggling with a mental health crisis, they wouldn't reach out. And I was like, why is that? Like, you guys have been through the process. Why don't you guys call me? You call me two weeks later after you've gone through this, this right. event, but you didn't call me in the moment. Why not? And so I got, a, I got a lot of answers like, oh, I didn't want to bother you, or I thought I could just get through it, or I didn't, you know, all these different reasons. I don't want to be a burden. And so I did a lot of research. I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Like, let me research this. And what I found out was that when somebody's going through a mental health crisis, parts of their brain shut down. So their frontal cortex stops functioning. So what's in our frontal cortex? Well, good decision-making skills, long-term planning, reasoning, and the ability to overcome impulses. So it's not that people don't want to reach out. They physically can't. Their brain has shut down. That part of their brain is no longer operating to its full capacity. So it's not that they don't want to reach out. They literally don't know how to do it in that moment. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I had no idea, but it makes sense, right? Right. And so I had to figure out a way for them to be able to communicate to overcome that. Because when people commit suicide, um, you know, I've talked to suicide survivors and I've, I've watched many, many interviews from suicide survivors. They always regret their attempt, but they didn't see any other way out. They couldn't reason through it. And so um, it's, it's not that people want to, to stop. Uh, it's not that people want to actually kill themselves. It's that people don't want to continue living the way that they're living right now. It's not that they actually want to end their life. They just don't want to continue living the way that they are. And they don't know how to process through it to find another solution. And so I had to figure out a way, how do I help them overcome this? So I needed something super, super simple that people could do. So in the app, you create a squad of people that you know and trust. 
and it's and a messaging you, app. Tell us the name of the app again. So right now, the, the veteran version is called Operation Pop Smoke. And that and was... So, that was something you did in the military, right? It isn't popping smoke saying, help! Yeah, absolutely. So that's why we called it pop smoke because for civilians, they don't really, it doesn't really resonate with them, but veterans, they know that when you're on the battlefield and you need cover, you'll pop smoke and you'll throw it out there and a white smoke will uh, conceal your location and let other people from the enemy, but then other, let friendly units know that you're there. Um, and if you pop a red smoke on the battlefield, that means it's an emergency. Typically, I would use it to call in an aircraft. So I'd be talking to the aircraft on the, on, on the uh, radio, giving them directions on where to go. When they got close, um, you know, they're, they're up in the sky. So it's really hard to tell who's who on the battlefield and where I'm at. So I would pop that red smoke and I would throw it on the battlefield. And then that chopper would see that and be able to land right where that is. That's where the drop zone is, where I can now um, load up our injured and they can take them away. So for us, the, the idea of popping smoke, we know what that means. We use it as a slang term. It means we're going to be leaving the area. Like, hey, Sergeant Major needs two volunteers. Uh, I'm going to go pop smoke, man. Meaning like, I'm going to disappear. <laughs> like, I'm going to get out of here. And so it resonates with us. So that's why we call the Operation Pop Smoke. Because now when somebody's struggling on their phone, um, the, the app, they just push one button and, it sent, and it's, it's popping smoke. They push one button and it sends an alert out to their squad, to their friends and family that they know and trust. And it instantly opens up a chat feature where now you can instantly chat with your support group. So there's a couple of unique features for the app. Number one, the person who initiates the signal, who pops smoke, as soon as they pop smoke, um, it doesn't go into chat. It actually goes into what we call a cognitive reconditioning program. So it, that's a big term, but basically they're grounding techniques, which have been used in the mental health arena for, for years. It's a series of questions designed to bring your cognitive thought process back online. Because remember, we said during a crisis, that part of their brain shuts down. So how do we reboot it, get it to come back online? Right. Well, we use these cognitive reconditioning um, questions to bring that thought process back online. As they're going through these series of questions, um, the alerts being sent out to their friends and family and their friends and family now can uh, go into the app and start chatting instantly with that person who's in distress. But even if that person doesn't answer up, the other unique feature is this. If they don't answer up, if they uh, go dark or maybe they've used drugs or alcohol, they don't know where they're at, you can't find them. Um, when they push that button, it turned on the GPS locator on their phone. <laughs> that is so good. So now in the chat, if that person's not talking to you or not responding in the chat feature, there's the little GPS signal and you just click that GPS signal and it opens up Google maps and you can now navigate directly to their current position. Or, uh, if you're too far away, you can navigate, uh, people to them because I, I've, I've been on a lot of veteran support groups on Facebook and all these different places. And when somebody posts a suicide message, everybody's scrambling to try and find them. Like, where are they at? Do you know where they live? Who are their parents? Like trying to find where they're at. Well, this totally eliminates that because even if they go dark and stop communicating, we can navigate directly to their position. Wow. And that, so that is available now that this pop smoke app is available 
through veterans organizations or how how do how does a veteran get that app so so right now you you can buy it on the app store so it is a paid app you have to pay for it um it it costs you about a dollar 25 a month so it's like 15 bucks a year something like that dollar 20 a month i think um it it's 15 bucks for the year uh so you have to you have to pay for it right now i'm working with veterans organizations to be able to um, provide this to their members Ooh. right and so if you're part of q missions like we will provide it for the veteran. And so we're looking, we're trying to work with different veterans organizations to provide it to their, um, you know, the demographic that they're working with. So we, I can't say who it is, but we have a very large sheriff's department in the US who's looking at providing this to the veterans in their community because they have an outreach for um, the veterans that they meet on the street, you know, out there, they have a special task force that's designed just to find veterans and help them get connected to the benefits that they need. So they're looking at this app to provide it to, um, to the veterans that they meet on the street so they can help stay in contact with them. So to help eliminate homelessness or, you know, um, they, they really don't want to arrest veterans. They want to help get them into treatment or get them into services to help them because uh, this catch and release thing is just not working, right? So how do we provide services for veterans to, to help them do better and be better? And they see this app as a way to do that, as a way to help veterans stay connected with one another, stay connected with their support group, get the, um, you know, the support that they need to become successful. And I know exactly how tough that is because, you know, 12, 13 years ago, I was homeless. I was living on the streets. And so, uh, it's amazing how far God has taken me in the last, you know, 12 or 13 years. Um, wow. But yes, yeah, so I know exactly how difficult that is. So the fact that this sheriff's department has a special task force that's designed just to find guys like me and help them get out of that problem. Um, yeah, I, I was, when they called me, I was like, heck yeah, I want to be part of this. Like, yes, how do I help? Like, what can I do? Because I've been there. It's tough. Well, and what, and that is just another Romans 8:28 God taking yeah this pandemic well not pandemic this epidemic of suicide among veterans and bringing good out of that by creating this app to help all these guys before they you know before they pull the trigger before they get to yep. wow when i i uh i was so short-sighted when i was first developing this app i was just developing it for the guys in my organization like i wasn't designing it to be a global app just for my guys and my organization. And so King five did a news story on me for veterans day a couple of years ago. And, um, I had mentioned the app, like, this is the new thing that I'm working on. Right. They said, well, what new stuff are you working on? So I told them what the app was and I was trying to develop it. And I had a, um, a guy named Tony Dayton. He is a VFW commander in Spanaway. He saw this news article, uh, or news story King five had done. And uh, so he reached out to me and said, hey, I want to get this app because I want to use it for my guys in my, uh, in my post. And I was like, ah, it's not built yet, you know, and it's really just for my guys. I don't have the money to, to build it out for everybody. It costs a lot. Uh, and he convinced me to do it. <laughs> he convinced me to build it out for the entire veteran community, which wow. was extremely expensive. It was like $80,000 to build an app. Like I had I, no I, idea how expensive it is. Did I see you do a kick... Uh, Kickstarter or something to raise the money for that and it all came through? Yeah, so I did. I did a GoFundMe and it, it failed. 
Um, and so there, I tried a Kickstarter and it failed too. So huh? nobody, nobody was interested in, I think I raised like $3,500 and I needed 80 and I'm like, I'm like, well, I, I tried God, like I can't do it. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it's not working. I can't do it. And, and Holly and I had gone so far cause we were committed. We're at hundred percent. So we put our house up for sale. We were going to sell our house. And if we couldn't raise the money from the Kickstarter, we were going to sell our house and uh, use the money from our house to build out the app. That's how committed we were to it. But our house wasn't selling either. And it didn't make any sense. Like you have a really nice house. It wasn't selling. Like nobody was coming to look at it. We just couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I had already started the build of the app. I had already, um, you know, committed to these guys to pay them to do it. And I think I was just like a couple of weeks away from having to make that first payment. And I literally did not have the money. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like my house is not selling. I don't have $40,000 in liquid cash. Like, I don't know what to do. And I was out salmon fishing uh, at Brown's point, just from the shore. And I'm just praying to God. I'm like, God, like, I, I thought I heard you correctly to build this app. Like, but I don't know what to do. Like, I don't have the money. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I was just so just uh, confused and I was just really struggling. Like, man, did I make a mistake here? Like, what am I gonna do? And I got a call from this, uh, this guy named Matt who owns Matt Vay Foundation Repair. And uh, I, I'd known him for a while. He had been a supporter of the organization years before. And uh, he called me out of the blue. He's like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Uh, how are things going? I said, well, this is where I'm at. And I told him everything, you know, like I committed this app. I put my house up for sale. I haven't gotten the money. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, wait a minute, you, you put your house up for sale to pay for this app. I said, yeah, man. I said, cause I just believe that's what God wanted me to do. And he's like, dude, you can't sell your house. I said, I don't have a choice. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And he goes, well, I, I got I to gotta be honest with you. Uh, God's been calling me to support your organization for years, and I just haven't done it. I've been totally disobedient. He said, so um, can you come by the office today, and I'll give you an $80,000 check so you don't have to sell your house? And I'm getting emotional right now just thinking about it because I remember I'm standing on the shore. I've got a fishing pole in my hand and there's fishermen all around me and I'm just weeping, you know, um, like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're just going to give me $80,000. He's like, yeah, I, I haven't been supporting you like I was supposed to. Um, so let me call my secretary. So he calls his secretary, gets her on the phone, says, Hey, I got Aaron here with Q missions. Uh, I need to write him an $80,000 check. Can you have that ready for him today? And she's like, well, that'd be kind of tough. Um, can I do 40,000 now? And then 40,000 next month. And he's like, Aaron, would that be okay? And I'm like, Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So I that was the first app. That was the proof of concept. Since then, I've probably spent an additional hundred grand uh, to build out the, the app and all the features um, because it's gone way bigger than just veterans. And so we had this app and it was working in the veteran community and I got a call. So this was last year, uh, last October, I went out to North Carolina. So a couple months before that, I think it was like June or July, 
I got a phone call from this guy from Cone Health, which is a huge hospital group out in North Carolina. And he said, um, hey, I've heard about your app, Operation Pop Smoke for veterans. My hospital group is very interested in this. Can we fly you out and have you present to us what this app is all about and how you can prevent suicide with it? And I was like, sure. So this guy, um, Darren Shell, and so he, uh, he got put on, he works for Cone Health, he got put on this suicide prevention task force. And so the suicide prevention task force was because they were having, this is when COVID first hit. And so it really hit the um, first responder community really, really, really hard. And so they, um, you know, they were having, they were having a high suicide rate in, in, in the hospital staff anyway. And then when COVID hit, it just ramped it up really high. And so they were already looking for solutions. And so when Darren called me, he's like, hey, we're looking for solutions. We need help. Um, he had met with a veterans organization out there in North Carolina, and they referred him to me with the app on the West Coast. Okay. Talked to him. They flew me out. I presented to the director of their hospital, the director of their mental health hospital. Uh, they loved the idea. And they're like, yes, we want you to build this out so we can put it into clinical trials so we can prescribe it to our patients when they come in with suicidal ideations. And I was just like, yes, that's awesome, of course. So that was last October. So we were negotiating that whole time on, on how to build that, how to make that happen. And then COVID hit and they said, hey, we still wanna do this deal, but we wanna table the, um, the, the version that's gonna go into medical trials and we want you to build the exact same version for our hospital staff. And that became uh, We Care Empowered. So I met with their hospital group and I met with a bunch of their staff and their ambassadors and we created um, We Care Empowered, which operates exactly like the veteran version. It just has a different look and feel for the clinician staff. And so we built that out and I drove all the way to North Carolina last month and uh, we delivered the app to them. I did a big presentation. Um, they bought a bunch of apps for their, for their team. And when I was there, we finalized the deal to, to, build, to build out a, a version for the public um, that's going to go through medical trials in January. So that's, that's where God has been taking me. And so I tell people, it's just obedience. Like I have no special skills. I, most days I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it. I just am obedient to what God called me to do. And he just opens the doors, you know, God, I, I'm a firm believer that God works miracles in our obedience. He does. He does. And what I love about that is that you said, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. Okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. Okay, I'm willing to just give up what I got to do it. And God says, no, that, it's okay. You don't have to do that. Here you go. You know? <laughs> but it was like you were willing to just do whatever it took to obey that vision that he gave you to help in that, I mean, to provide a solution, which I just, I mean, that is a Romans eight twenty eight story all in its on its own, and it's just yeah, it, it it really is. It was awesome because that whole time I'm like, am I doing something wrong? What you know? 
I thought I was doing something wrong because the money wasn't coming in the Kickstarter, but it was never about me. God was trying to teach somebody else a lesson, you know, and, uh, and, and, and he, and he did. And Matt was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I've got to do this. So it had nothing to do with me. I was doing everything right. I just got to be patient because maybe God's not trying to work on me in that moment. Right. He's trying to work on somebody else. Um, and so that was kind of humbling right there to be like, oh, okay, that's right. That, uh, the, the, it's not all about me. <laughs> there are other people that God wants to, to, to work on and help them develop and grow. And so, um, yeah, Matt with Matt Bay Foundation Repair, that guy was was awesome. You know, it was so cool to to watch that. And that spoke to him too, right? Absolutely. He and I are good friends. We talk on a regular basis, you know. Um, and so he had he'd had some things in his life that were stumbling blocks that he couldn't get through. And once he he was obedient to what God had called him to do, it God removed those other barriers in his life, mm. you know. And so it was really cool because we talk about it now. You know, and he's like, yeah, man, once, once I was like obedient to what God told me to do, like all those things that I thought were these huge problems, they just weren't problems anymore. Wow. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I love that. So, okay. As we begin to wrap this up, um, I would love for you to share um, some tips or tools that you, um, whether it's uh the things that you some just a few significant ones that you maybe share with your um the folks in your ministry but that would apply to really anyone who needs help remembering that god is working everything together for good even when it's dark you can't see it what would you say right you know i um so i i'll tell you the story of what i call the three camps and so I wrote the book. I thought it was finished. I, I submitted it to the editor um, and it got it, you know, she went through all of it and then she, she came back and says, you know, I've been praying about this and I feel like there's just something missing. Like you're missing a chapter. And for me, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is all I got. Like I, I put everything I had into this, you know? And so I went back. She's like, I just feel like there's something else that you need to talk about in here. I was just like, oh, okay. So I went back and I prayed about it and I thought about it. And then I wrote the first chapter of the book, which is um, the chapter of the three camps. And so it was something that God revealed to me as I started working with veterans and helping them and overcoming my own struggles. There's, there's really, when it, we talk about mental health, there's three basic camps that everybody lives in, right? And so um, on the far left, you have this uh, victim mentality where people are always just a victim of their circumstances. They never take personal responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. We all know people like that. And if you don't know somebody like that, it's because you're that person, okay? <laughs> right? It's always somebody else's fault. You know, you get fired from your job because you know more than your boss does. Or, oh right? my, yep. So I we all know somebody like that. Like that. <laughs> and so that victim mentality, uh, I know that very well because I lived there for many years of my life. Feeling like the world owed me something that um, I, I would never be able to overcome my mental health problems, that I would just be a victim of my circumstance forever. It was just part of my identity. And I lived there for many, many years. So that's a, a minority camp. And that's on the far left side. Now, on the far right side, we have what I call the denier camp. It's people who don't believe that mental health is a real issue, that they just need to get over it if they tried harder or if they 
prayed more or if they had more faith, they would be able to overcome these things. And uh, that's a terrible camp, right? Because it totally discounts people who have real issues. But again, that's a minority camp. So you have these two extremes. You have the left, the victim, the right, the denier. But the majority of people, we live in the middle. We're the majority, but we're the silent majority. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Because there are people who are dealing with mental health or they've dealt with mental health in the past, but they're afraid to say anything about it. They suffer in silence. They say nothing. And why? Because they're afraid that the people on the right, the denier camp, is going to paint them as the victim on the left. And so they stay quiet. They don't say anything about it. They don't talk about it. They, when it gets brought up, they're just uncomfortable and they don't, they don't participate in the conversation because they don't want to admit that they're struggling. So nothing changes, nothing, everything stays the same. The only way to change the conversation, to change the way we look at mental health is for the silent majority to stand up and say, hey, I struggle with mental health, but you know what, I'm surviving. And you know what, some days I'm actually striving in my mental health, I'm overcoming, I'm fighting every single day. You know, I tell uh, people, you know, with PTSD, some days you win, some days you lose, but every day you fight. And that's what you have to do. You have to fight every day. And so part of that fight is being transparent and letting people know that you're struggling with mental health. So what does that do? Well, it does three really important things. The first thing it does is it challenges the people who are in the denier camp, who believe that it's not a real issue, that, that they're just, those people are weak or there's something wrong with them, or they just need to try harder. When I say, hey, I struggle with mental health, uh, you know, I, I have a, a mental health disability. They look at me like, what are you talking about, Aaron? You run a successful company. You have a great ministry. You do all these things. You travel the world. I said, yeah, man, but I struggle with anxiety and depression almost on a daily basis, but I struggle through it. It changes their idea of what they think mental health looks like because they see somebody like me who's, if you, from the outside, it looks like I'm killing it. But from the inside, some days I feel like, you know, that I can't do it. You know, I have tons of anxiety. Uh, so it changes their mindset. Yet the second important thing that it does is the people on the victim mentality side, it, it challenges them that if, wait, Aaron, Aaron struggles with this stuff. If he can struggle with it and still be successful, I can too. And it empowers them to, to know that they can be better and do better. So it gives them hope and hope is a huge catalyst for change. The biggest one out there, but the most important thing it does is when, when, when we stand up and we say, hey, I'm struggling, it empowers the rest of the silent majority to step forward as well and say, wow, if Aaron can, and, and he does all these things and has all this success and, and travels all these places, if he struggles with mental health and can talk about it, maybe I can talk about it too. And so it gives them permission to be a little bit more transparent about their own mental health struggles. And so that's how we're going to change the conversation is for the silent majority to stand up and say, hey, I struggle too, but I'm getting through it. And so can all of you. That's how we're going to change this. This. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the way we look at mental health, it's going to it's going to change the stigma of mental health yes. when we stand up and, 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 and we say something because. There's a study that came out that said 67% of men in America admit to having a mental health crisis in their lifetime. So I'll say that again, 67% of men admit 
So wow. that's huge, right? Because guys don't want to talk about their feelings, number one. So for 67% to admit it, um, imagine how many didn't admit it. So it's, it's fair to say that the vast majority of us will experience a mental health crisis at some point in our life. So knowing that we're all going to experience this, we need to start talking about it so we can figure out a way to navigate through it. Yeah. So when it happens to us, we're like, okay, I know about this. Here's some steps I can take. These are some things I can do to get through it because it's, it's not abnormal. It's actually very normal to go through a mental health crisis. And so we just have to learn to talk about it so we can create solutions. And so that's why the book I think is so valuable because it takes people through this steps of healing through service. And it's called um, the warrior's guidebook to healing through service, the warrior's guidebook. But as you go through the process, you're really creating your own guidebook. So I tell people that there are um, 12 chapters of the book, 11 of them I wrote, and the 12th chapter you're going to write. Ooh, good. So it'll be, you're going to write the last chapter of this book, and it'll be the first chapter of your own. So I created a companion journal that goes along with the book um, that people can get, and it, it takes them step by step, and they're creating their own warrior's guidebook as they go through. So it can be done alone or as a small group. I also have a video series that's out. So if you do want to teach it as a small group, uh, you have a video series and, and the uh, guidebook uh, to go with that. That way, you know, you can get a couple of friends together. You can, uh, read a chapter, answer the questions, watch the video, and then discuss your answers. And then just like any other church small group, it operates exactly the same. And, uh, at the end of it, the last chapter, we challenge you to go out and, uh, either come on mission with us to Mexico or to do your own local mission right? To, to do your own public service using all the skills that you've learned over the, the six weeks of the book um, to go out and, and do that in the community. And that's where you write, as you're writing the guidebook, you're writing the last chapter of healing through service of my book, which is the first chapter of your own. Mm, I love that. Okay. So if we have some people listening today that want to know more about your ministry, about your book, about your next mission trip, where's the best place for them to find you and connect with you? So you can always find us online at qmissions.org. So the letter Q and then missions.org. Uh, that's the ministry. And if you, if you want to uh, connect with us on Facebook, you can find us Q Missions on Facebook. And if you want to follow me personally, uh, I have an author page, which is Sergeant Q, S-G-T-Q. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. You can stay up to date with all the things that I'm doing. If you're looking for mental health resources, we have a page uh, called qactual.com. Uh, so the letter Q and then actual.com. And so there you'll find access to like the We Care app, the Veterans Pop Smoke app. We're creating one right now for the police department and then the one that'll go into medical trials. So there's a whole family of apps and other resources that are there. Um, there's some things that'll teach you how to start having that conversation with your friends and family about mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of resources there. So you can visit Q Actual. And so it sounds like a strange name, but the, um, in the military, if you, every unit has a call sign. And so in Anglico, our call sign was wild Eagle. And so anybody from Anglico, uh, was wild Eagle alpha two zero, right? That was my unit. 
Um, but if you wanted to talk to the commander of the organization, you would ask for Wild Eagle Actual, which meant that's the commander. And so we're kind of putting all these mental health tools under one umbrella, which is going to be Q Actual. So that way we don't have to maintain different websites for We Care Empowered, right. for the Operation Pop Smoke, for all these different resources. It's there, uh, one place. Everybody can just go and select the resources that they want to uh, want to use. That is so good. I I am just still blown away at the way God kind of connected us and had yes. us work on your book just as a kind of a full circle for me because that's how I started in publishing was working on the book for Point Man Ministries for Vietnam veterans and their family members and so getting to work with you on this project has just been so rewarding and so encouraging I'm just I'm so proud of you guys <laughs> I love what you thank, thank you so much um, that's actually a really neat story um, do, do you want to tell that story of the uh, about the gentleman who who connected us? I am trying to remember who it was. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, I will tell that story. That I I I keep that story so close to me. I don't share it with a lot of people, but it's one of my my favorite God moment stories ever. Um, and so, yes, I would love for you to share it. I just had this guy, he was one of the original Point Man Ministries guys, Bruce Goodrich, who, you know, just, he's gone to heaven now, but he was just this wonderful, um, jolly old kind of Santa Claus kind of guy. And yeah. um, he kept texting me this one day saying, you have got to meet this guy. It's this missions organization that's run by this veteran and his name's Aaron and you got to meet you just, he has a book, you've got to meet him, you got to meet him. And we just never kind of quite connected. And then I don't even remember how it happened, but somehow we did connect. And I'm, I'm not even sure that I remember. So, so let's pause right there. And okay. I will, I will share um, uh, my version up into that point right there. Okay. So Bruce, uh, we have an office. It's in downtown Auburn, right on Main Street. So I've got my banners up there and veterans. And so he'd come into the office, I want to say a dozen times, bugging me. Like, hey, you need to write a book. I'm like, I already wrote a book, this little guidebook. I just, you know, publish it myself and I give it out to the guy. It's like, no, no, no. He tells me he's from Point Man Ministries, tells me about the ministry, tells me about you and the publishing company. He says, you need to make an actual book, an actual book. And he kept hounding me and hounding me. And I just... Honestly, I have I had so many other things going on at the time. Uh, I just bought that building. I'm trying to get it ready. I'm like, yeah, man, I'll, when I get to it, I'll, I'll do it, you know? Uh, and I just kept pushing them off, pushing them off, pushing them off. And I'm at church one day and I'm serving in children's ministry, which I mentioned earlier. So if you're looking for someplace to serve children's ministry, they always need help. Uh, and somebody came down and said, hey, there's this veteran here. He's looking for you, which is not abnormal. I meet tons of veterans and I always invite them to my church, Faith and Victory Church in Auburn. It's a shout out. Um, I always invite them to, to church. And so no big deal. Veterans always show up. And so they're like, yeah, it's all Vietnam vet. And so I went uh, over to the AMC to, to meet with him and it's Bruce. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing here? He's like, Hey, so uh, have you talked to Athena yet? Did you, did you get that book on? And I was like, no, man, like what? How did you track me down to my church, bro? Like, this is crazy. 
And I was just kind of stunned, like, whoa. I'm like, okay, I better pay attention to this guy. He didn't just show up at my office. Like, he showed up at my church. He tracked me down. I'm like, okay. So then that's when I was like, all right, that's when I called you and we met because uh, Bruce had just been pushing me to um, – to, and I had no idea really about your connection with Point Man Ministries and, and that you had published that book and it was the first book that you had published. I had no idea of any of that stuff when I met with you. So when I met with you and you were telling me the story, I was just like beside myself. I was like, what? This is wild. You know, you can see – God working, uh, working us together. Like he'd been trying for a long time to get our past across, you know, and, uh, and I just finally had to be obedient. And it's so out of character for Bruce. He had never done that before. I mean, I knew Bruce for 40 years or 35 years, some, you know, long time. And he had never, you know, sent anybody to me to publish. So you just have to understand how significant that is. God use, I mean, that he was relentless with you. He he was relentless. And so the crazy thing is that uh, I think he, he passed away last December, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we had finalized our contract and started putting the book into um, uh, editing and things like that. Right. And so I remember when the book first got published and you sent me that first copy right? Uh, I want, I'm like, okay, how do I find Bruce? Cause I want to talk to Bruce. I want to give him the very first copy. Cause he's the one who really pushed me to do this. And so I remember I called you and I said, uh, Hey, can I get a hold of Bruce? I'd love to give him this copy. And you said, yeah, well, Bruce passed away back in December. And I was, I was really hurt that, um, that I couldn't share it with them, you know, that, that, that I did it, you know, it's like, I did it, man. I, I, I did it. Um, but how I look at it is I, I truly believe that that's the last mission that God had for Bruce on earth. Yes. And so when he completed it, he called him home. So when I get called home, I can't wait to see Bruce. Cause I know he's going to be one of the guys standing there waiting for me. And, uh, yeah, man, God works miracles through our obedience. So if you're struggling right now, just be obedient. God will open doors for you. So thank you, Bruce, for being so persistent um, because this book is helping so many people. It's changing so many lives. And uh, I just, I got to give it to Bruce for his dedication, his his relentless uh tenacity to, to get us together so we could get this book out for people. So yeah, that's, uh, that's why I don't like telling that story because it's just so it's emotional. It is because um, I know that that was his last mission that he had to complete. And as soon as it was complete, God, God called him home, you know? So. Wow. Well, yeah. this, I'll tell you, this has just been an absolute delight to have you on and to do it. Uh, for Veterans Day of 2020. And uh, wow, I'm just so encouraged and excited to see how God continues to work and uh, use you and, uh, you know, your, uh, your other half, better half uh, is working on her book and that's going to yes, be she is. dynamic as well. So yep. 
Oh gosh. Well, if um, okay, so you gave us the website. So, any last words you want to share before we sign off? You know, I would just encourage people who are uh, who are listening right now. I would encourage you to talk to your friends and family about mental health. Start the conversation. There's tons of resources out there. We provide some. You can find them anywhere. How do I start the conversation about mental health? Um, you need to do it now. You know, because people are suffering, people are struggling, and they're doing it in silence. And so if you can be brave enough to share your own struggles with people, uh, you'll give them permission to do it as well. And that's how we're going to get through this thing together is by by communicating about our, our struggles. Amen. You have just been a huge blessing today. And I am... Uh, <laughs> you're just going to make me cry again. So. <laughs> So thank you. Thank you for, I mean, you don't have to be a Vietnam veteran to have mental health issues. No. And we all need to be transparent and be willing to talk about our struggles because that's what gives others permission to admit their own. And we start the conversations and we're able to connect and really grow together and find solutions together. And God, of course, is the ultimate solution but there's all sorts of other pieces that play into it. It's, you know, God, God's the one who had, you know, created all and gave the ideas to you and so many others to create these resources so that people could get some help for their mental health issues. And I, that's just a big deal to me as, as a, not only as a publisher, but as a, uh, a believer that the church has for too long kind of, uh, made you feel like there's something wrong with you and that you need to just pray more or that you, you know, how dare you take an antidepressant or take this while they're yeah. taking, while they're taking their high blood pressure medication. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, there's no difference and it doesn't mean we have to take it forever. Maybe it's just for a period of time or whatever, but just getting a get, I real heart to see the church be a safe place for people that are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. We haven't done a good job and you're, you are helping make that, make it better. I'm, I'm just so thankful for your ministry. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's God showed me because originally I was short-sighted. I was just helping veterans. And with this book, you know, you guys really helped me to break down the terminology. So it would appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. And some of the most, um, uh, surprising reviews that I've gotten have been from people who aren't veterans and about how much it it helped them and showed them and and empowered them and I was like wow right on that's exactly what it was supposed to do and so God showed me that it doesn't matter how we experience trauma you know we may experience it from childhood or violence or combat it doesn't matter how we experience it the result is always the same the anxiety the depression the suicidal ideations the self-medication, it always ends the same way. So if this can work for combat veterans, it can work for anybody. You know, we all experience trauma in different ways. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, don't, don't compare yourself to, to other people and, oh, they had it worse or they had it worse. Um, you know, the trauma you experienced is real and, you know, you've got to come to that realization and you've got to, um, instead of letting it hold you back, that can be the catalyst for change, the catalyst for growth. And that stuff is only holding you back because you won't let go of it. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Aaron, so much for being 
on the All Things Podcast today. Just God's blessing on your ministry. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's been a joy. Fantastic. Thanks, Athena. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview and those stories of, wow, how God blesses obedience. I hope you got that takeaway today because this story of Aaron's entire process and just believing so much in his message and knowing God wanted him to get the app done, the book written, so many ways that he stepped out in obedience and God blessed it. And I just hope you hear that loud and clear and take hope in the fact that here's a guy who struggles, but he doesn't let those struggles stop him. And he allows God to lead him and guide him. And I am just, I just can't tell you how blessed I am to be part of his ministry by the part we played in publishing Healing Through Service, The Warrior's Guidebook to Overcoming Trauma. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd like to recommend the Redeemed and Restored podcast that I host over on my YouTube channel on video and on audio as well. Check out AthenaDeanHoltz.com for details. So thank you for listening today, and I'll see you next week as we continue to spotlight our Romans 828 God, who really does work all things together for good. Bye for now.